Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. Well, Easter Sunday was three Sundays ago from today, three weeks ago. And as pastors, we decided that we wanted to carve out an extended time to focus on the resurrection. Because one Sunday is not enough to celebrate resurrection, to celebrate Easter. Um, There's just too much to preach on for preachers. The scriptures record 10 post-resurrection appearances by Jesus. After Jesus went to the cross and rose from the grave, there are 10 post-resurrection appearances by Jesus. Five of those happen on the day of his resurrection. So five happened in one day. And then five more post-resurrection appearances happen over a span of 40 days. And all 10 of these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus are special. All of them deserve consideration. They also raise a lot of questions. Like, why would Jesus only appear 10 times in resurrected form? over a 40-day period. Why, why did he keep popping in and out, appearing and disappearing? Why didn't he just stay with the disciples? Um, I, I think that when I try to th- imagine myself in Jesus' shoes, I, I would want to capitalize on that time in my resurrected body. I, I, I wouldn't just make 10 appearances. I, I would do a whole bunch of appearances, right? Yet Jesus didn't do that. And furthermore, why did he show up the way that he did? Because when in these accounts that we have recorded in the Gospels, when Jesus appears in resurrected form, he chooses personal encounters over public events. There's only one time, one of the ten times he appears, only once does he appear before a crowd. It was in Galilee. He appeared in front of a crowd of 500 people, but he only did that one time. The other nine times, it was just Jesus checking in on his friends. And so this morning, we're going to look at one of those post-resurrection appearances. It was one of the five that happened on the day of his resurrection, where he surprises two unexpecting friends. And we're going to look at Luke's gospel. In Luke's gospel, chapter 24, verse 13, it says this. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Verse 17, he asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you, the only visiting Jerus- are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? So here, here's what we have. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus is already risen from the dead. This is the day of his resurrection. And here we find two of Jesus' friends. And they're on the seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to the town of Emmaus, which was probably their hometown. But it wasn't an ordinary walk. Their their hearts are heavy, they're discouraged, they're disillusioned, because their rabbi, that they followed Jesus, the one who they believed was the Messiah, had been crucified three days ago. And, And even though there were rumors circulating of 
a resurrection, um, they weren't sure what to do with it. They weren't sure what, what to make of it. And so they're traveling and discussing all these events, and the resurrected Jesus, we're told, comes up beside them on the road and starts walking with them and talking with them. But they're unaware. They don't know it's him. Have you guys ever noticed that sometimes when we're journeying through sadness and disappointment and loss and confusion, it's hard to recognize that Jesus is with us, right? Because sorrow and disillusionment and disappointment have a way of of blinding us to God's presence in our lives. And so Jesus, what he does is he engages them and he asks what they're talking about. And when he asks what they're talking about, they stop walking and their face are downcast. And Cleopas, one of these two friends of Jesus, gets snarky with Jesus. He says, are you the only one who has no clue what's going on? It's basically saying, are you clueless? Like, what is your problem? There's something big that happened and you don't even know what's going on. How many of you get ornery or agitated when you're anxious about something? Maybe you don't, but you know somebody else who, who does that, right? <laughs> they, they get, they get kind of snippy when they're anxious about something, when they're worried about something. Well, Jesus doesn't take offense. He continues this conversation. So Cleopas says, what, are you the only person who doesn't have a clue? And Jesus continues the conversation. In, in verse 19, he says, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. It says that, that they, they, they were talking to him about himself, <laughs> and he said, we had hoped. He was the one. He was the one that was going to change everything, that was going to make things right again. And then they go on to explain to Jesus, unbeknownst that it's Jesus they're talking to, they go on to explain how how some of their friends found his tomb empty that morning and Jesus was nowhere to be found. Now, I I want to pause here and tell you a few reasons why I love this story so much. One, I love how Jesus is, is kind of playing around with them. He's messing with them. You know, you can mess with your friends, right? You can't mess with people who aren't your friends. But these are Jesus' friends, and he's, he's kind of messing with them. He's, he's not revealing who he is to them, right? He's just playing coy. Um, and I think one of the reasons he, he's doing that here is because he wants to give them an opportunity to unload their burdens. He's just listening to them share their confusion, their, their sadness, their loss. And, and one of the things I love about the story is Jesus is not in a rush, and if I was him, I would be in a rush. If I was him, I'd be like, hey, look, guys, I have 10 res- resurrection appearances, and I've really got to capitalize on these, and there's people i got to see, there's places i got to go, I've got things. Here I am. Maybe I would reveal myself by saying, it's me, hi, I'm Jesus, it's me. And then, it, and then I would leave, and, and it would be dramatic and and, the, and these two friends would know, like, wow, Jesus is a T-Swift fan. But, but Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't cut to the chase. He doesn't cut to the chase. He stays with them. 
He's spending time with these two, and he's choosing not to reveal himself. It's almost as if Jesus is enjoying being with them. I love that about Jesus. Another thing that I love about this story is some of the very first people that Jesus sought out after his resurrection were Cleopas and his unnamed companion. Now, early church historians believe that Cleopas' companion, who doesn't have a name here in this passage, could have been his wife Mary. The Gospel of John tells us that there was a woman at the cross when Jesus died. It was Mary, the wife of Clopas, which is another way of, of spelling Cleopas. So we're not certain who this companion was. It's conjecture, but it could have been his wife Mary. But we are certain of this. These two were not A-list disciples. Cleopas and this person without a name did not write any of the Bible like the other disciples did. They, they didn't, we don't read about them anyway, planting any churches like some of the other disciples did. In fact, they're never mentioned again after this story. And yet here we find Jesus seeking them out on the same day as his resurrection. Even before seeking out the more important disciples, he's spending all this time with Cleopas and his companion. Why? Because Jesus doesn't care about their resumes. He cares about them. Right? Jesus, on the day of his resurrection, he could have gone to, to James and John and, and all the important disciples, right? You were going to write parts of the Bible and plant these churches. And he says, no, I'm going to show up to Cleopas and his friend because they're the ones who need some hope and resurrection. And so he shows up on this road and he walks with them. I, I love that about Jesus. See, for him, it's not about who's important or who's accomplished or who's impressive. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. He cares about Cleopas and his friend because they're discouraged, they're distressed, and they're in need of some resurrection. And then Jesus does something even more surprising. He finishes this seven-mile walk with them. How many of you have walked seven miles before? It takes a bit of time. It takes a bit of time. And here's Jesus, again, resurrected form. He's got ten appearances to make. These are just two. They're not very important disciples. They're not A-list disciples. And he's walking seven miles with them, talking with them. In Luke chapter 24, verse 27 and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, they still don't know it's Jesus. And now Jesus is preaching to them as they're walking along the road. And he's going back into the Old Testament, and he's, he's preaching all, all that's in there is pointing to the Messiah. I, I can't imagine that, that sermon. That's a sermon I have to hear one day. Right, when, I'm in, when the new heavens and new earth merge together and I get access to, to all the video, I want to see this sermon that Jesus preaches to these two guys because he's, it says this, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That I could imagine Jesus saying, hey, when, when Abraham offered his only begotten son Isaac, it was pointing to the Messiah. When, when Moses instituted the priesthood, it was pointing to the Messiah. When David wrote Psalm 22 about the crucifixion, it was pointing to the Messiah. When, when Isaiah talked about the suffering servant, it was pointing to the Messiah. And Jesus just going, he's just preaching. 
And, and what I love about this is, is that it, it reminds me that, that the entire Bible points to Jesus. It all points to him. And their hearts, we're told, are burning within them as Jesus is talking. And in verse 32, they say this, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So these two travelers, they're sensing something special. They're sensing something powerful, even though they can't quite put their finger on it. And when they finally get to Emmaus, the end of the seven-mile road, look what happens in verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. And, and so Jesus, when they get to Emmaus, he continues walking, but they can't let him go. They don't know it's him. But there's something going on. This is their hearts were burning within them as Jesus was talking and opening the scriptures. So they invite him to stay. And what we find out is when they sit down for dinner, Jesus takes the bread, he breaks it, he gives thanks for it, and then he hands it to them. And that's really a shadow of of the Last Supper, right? When Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. And instantly it says, their eyes are opened and they fully recognize Jesus. They recognize him. And they're hit with this reality that Jesus, who they were talking about the whole time, had been with them the whole time all along. And they don't have to travel the weary path of sin and death anymore because Jesus is alive. And so they race back to Jerusalem to tell all the disciples that they'd been with Jesus. Now, imagine for a minute if they had let Jesus keep walking when they got to Emmaus and never found the courage to ask him to stay. Imagine the weight of that moment. Have you ever had a a time in your life, a moment in your life, when you were sensing something, but you couldn't quite put your finger on it, but you knew, man, this is something, (laughs) and you don't know what to do with it? That's where these two are at. And at this moment, Jesus is continuing to walk by, and they say, hey, will you stay with us? If if they had not found the courage to do that or, or had... Or maybe, maybe courage isn't even the right word. Maybe if, if they just didn't have the awareness to invite Jesus to be with them, they might have missed one of the holiest moments of their lives. Think of the weight of that. They knew something special was happening, even though it felt a little disruptive. Their hearts were burning within them, we're told. And just as Jesus was about to walk away, they asked him to stay. Can I share something with you that that I'm learning in my Christian walk, in my own Christian walk? You don't want to, you don't, I can't share it? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think you and I let way too many heart-burning moments pass us by. You know what I mean by that? Those Those times in our lives where we feel Jesus like wants to reveal himself to us, but we just kind of let it get away. Um, I was on vacation last week in Alabama visiting my wife's family. And a couple days before I left, I had all this stuff to do because, you know, when you go away on vacation, you got to get stuff, especially if you're traveling with a family, you got to get stuff. My wife does, takes care of me and all of that. But there's always a list that I get. 
of stuff I got to do. And then I was trying, you know how when you go on vacation, you also have to get your work done ahead of time so you don't have to work while you're on vacation. And so like, I, I like, man, I was committed. I'm going to write the, a sermon, this sermon. I'm going to write it before I go on vacation so I don't have to spend too much time while I'm with my wife's family working on my sermon. And so I, I had a lot of headspace taken up the, the few days leading up to when we were supposed to, to leave. And that morning, I was listening to an audio devotional. And on the audio devotional, the person who was doing the audio devotional asked a question. And the question was, is there anything in your life that, you, that you're, you're giving too much time to that you have to rein in a bit? And something came to my mind immediately. Right? I, I, it stopped me in my tracks. It, it was a heart-burning moment for me. Like, oh, oh, yeah. And I knew that I needed to sit right there and then with Jesus and talk about it with him. I knew it. But I also had all these little excuses running in the back of my head. Like, hey, I got a lot to do today. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be traveling, going away. I've got to get this sermon written. I've got these people I have to call and things I have to do, places I have to go, and, and, and stuff I got to get ready for. I can talk to God about this later. I can be with Jesus and sit down with him. Oh, I'm on vacation. I'm going on vacation. I'll have plenty of time to, to do that. And and I let that time get away. And I, th- I think that sometimes for you and I, we treat those moments, those heart-burning moments, the same way we treat heartburn. Like instead of Rolaids, we use excuses. <laughs> right? Like I'm just too busy right now. I got too much going on. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've had those moments <laughs> where you know that Jesus is, wants to be with you and, and spend time with you, reveal himself to you. And, and you know it's like a special thing, but you, you, you have excuses like, I'm just, I'm just oversensitive right now and I'm, I've just been really tired lately. Or I've got so much going on, I'll, 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 I'll be with Jesus later. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to God about this later. And, and what happens is, is we fail to sometimes recognize that those heart-burning moments are the places where Jesus is wanting to reveal himself to us in a special way. And, and I believe this, that, that every person here, doesn't matter where you are in your faith or if you're, if you're not on a faith journey, if you don't even believe in God, I believe this about all of us, that everyone in this room has either walked an Emmaus road or will walk one. Because life is just full of disappointments, right? These, these two people... They're just reeked in disappointment. Their, their rabbi who they've been following for, for three and a half years has just been brutally murdered and crucified. All their hopes of, of, of Messiah coming and, and making things right, they're dashed and they're going back to what they know. The only thing they know, they're going back home to Emmaus. They don't know what else to do. They've heard rumors, they're circulating, but, but they're, in a, they're in a bad place. And yet Jesus meets them on that road. And... and and I know this is true for me, and I'm, I'm thinking it's true for you as well, that you've either walked that road or you're going to walk that road because life is just, is just full with, with disappointments. But, but there's something that, that I'm discovering in my own walk is that Jesus often shows up on that road. He's, he's there with us. We don't always recognize him right away, but he's there with us. And, and if you don't hear me say anything else today, I hope you'll hear, hear this. Pay attention to those heart-burning moments.
because they're special. Those are spaces where, where we get to invite Jesus to be with us. Those are spaces where, where he reveals himself to us in, in a way that, that's meaningful and special. And you might be wondering, how do, I, how do I do that? How do I not let those moments get away? Well, I think the answer is to do what Cleopas and his friend did. Invite Jesus to be with you. That's it. Just invite Jesus to be with you. Not, not as an add-on, not as a little piece that we're going to, oh, I, I forgot i got to do my Jesus time. I'll, I'll do. No, invite him to be with you as you walk through your whole day. Can I pray for us? Why don't we stand up and I'll pray for us and then we'll sing together. Let's pray. Jesus, I love the fact that on, your, on the day of your resurrection, when you could have went to all the important disciples, you went to these two because you cared about them. You saw that they were distressed, that they were discouraged, and, and in need of, of hope and life and resurrection. And, and you walked seven miles with them. You stayed for dinner. When you could have been doing so many other bigger important things, you were present with Cleopas and his unnamed friend. Lord, I, I, I'm wondering if there's folks here this morning who are in, walking the same road as Cleopas. It's a road of disappointment, discouragement, loss, confusion, sadness, sorrow, grief. And maybe there's so much sorrow that they, they just can't even see that you're with them. I pray, Jesus, that you would not only open their eyes, but that they would have the confidence and the courage to, to respond to those heart-burning moments that come. Those moments when something special is happening, when Jesus is, is revealing himself in a way that is so meaningful and rich. And I pray, God, for an awareness for, for my friends and for me to be able to stop to be able to invite Jesus to be with us, to not press through and, and go on to the next thing and, and have all of our excuses that we use, but that we would just stop and say, no, I'm, I'm staying right here to be with Jesus. And I pray through that, Lord, that you would infuse us with your hope, your resurrection, your life, because it's the only way we can find it is in you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would do what you do best. Would you bring encouragement? Would you challenge us? Would you, would you lift us up? Would you make us aware of, of, of who you are and, and your presence around us? And we ask all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's sing. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church of the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.